Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast, a podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Till Luca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. And welcome to the Thinking Practitioner, where the podcast is supported by ABMP, the Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals. ABMP membership gives professional practitioners like you a package including individual liability insurance, free continuing education, and quick reference apps, online scheduling and payments with PocketSuite, and much more. ABMP's CE courses, podcast, and massage and bodywork magazine always feature expert voices and new perspectives in the profession, including from Till and myself, Whitney. Thinking Practitioner listeners can save on joining ABMP at abmp.com forward slash thinking. Till it's off this week, but I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Brian Glotzbach from Atlanta. And Brian, welcome to the Thinking Practitioner podcast. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Right. Uh, Brian and I have known each other for going on probably three decades now or something like that. So we're going to be diving into the world of massage and professional sports today, where Brian's been living for the last three decades or so. So Brian, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to work in some of these environments. I, uh, my undergraduate degrees in engineering, and uh, I just started burning out, um, just wanted to change, change everything. And uh, so uh, <laughs> I decided that regardless of which way I wanted to go, uh, I needed a way to supplement my income. And uh, I talked to a couple of people and they said, hey, why don't you just go the massage route? Um, because you can set your own schedule, you, you work for yourself. And, uh, uh, you know, when I was thinking about going back to school, uh, that was kind of that made sense to me, except I'd never had a massage. The only thing I knew about massage was uh, when my wife would get out of hand, I'd give her some money and say, please, will you just go get a massage? <laughs> if <laughs> I remember get- correctly from your story, you told me too that, uh, and tell me if this is like, like, you just sort of like called up the massage school, like on a Friday and talk to somebody and then started school like the next week or something, didn't you? I mean, it was that's, like a really short turnaround, wasn't it? That's kind of been my story period. You know, uh-huh. I, um, I, uh, yeah, I, I called the massage school and, uh, they, uh, on like a Wednesday and a class was starting the next Wednesday, a night program so that I didn't have to quit my engineering job. Uh-huh. And, uh, I just started going to school at night mm-hmm. and uh, the nights, the night program was about a year long. So I, I went at night for about five months and eh, maybe about three months. And uh, the, uh, I had just come back from a job in uh, Washington, DC. And the guy that owned the company was nosing around in my office and saw my, massage folder in one of my he was he was looking for the information on on the the uh meetings I'd been to and uh I came back the next Monday and he said look you know I was nosing around in your office and I saw your massage school stuff so uh maybe this is just a good time for us to 
to cut strings. So he fired me and uh, because he was afraid that if, if I started this next job, uh, I was the only person, the only one of the engineers that could have done the job. So it, it was the perfect time to cut strings. So yeah. I raced over to the massage school and, and uh, uh, ran into one of the administrators and uh, they put me in the day program. So I finished up, I had to go day and night. I remember when you were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That oh, was pretty, yeah. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. I was, I was going from 10 o'clock in the morning till 1030 at night. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah. you know, it all worked out because, uh, what happened there was I got out uh, at the end of the the day program, which was a shorter program. It was, I think it was about six months or so. And uh, you guys had the clinical program with you and Benny starting mm-hmm. up that fall. And so, you know, what I, the way I remember it, I know you'll deny this, but, but the way I remember it is... I, you guys already had all your your crew mm-hmm. for the teaching and yeah. and uh uh you know I kept every time I ran into you I'd go hey Whitney hey you need me in your program I'm I'm going to be the perfect guy yeah <laughs> and and then it got to the point where you'd see me at the end of the hall and turn around and walk the other <laughs> way going here's this crazy guy again he's not going to leave me alone right but yeah, I do you know, remember that, was, that yeah that was a, a a really really cool piece in my evolution was being with you and Benny at the beginning of that program because mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of a landmark program. I really really think that that clinical sports program that you guys set up in the early '90s was amazing. Yeah, we were certainly it was certainly a, a an interesting time of an incredible group of talented people coming together, including yourself. You know who who did end up you know being on the teaching team doing this. It was certainly certainly very powerful for all of us. Well, um, tell me uh, again. I want our listeners to hear a little bit more about what you've been doing with your practice in the you know the intervening couple of decades because you've done some absolutely phenomenal things with the this uh, professional sports world in particular. So tell us well, a little bit about your work. Let me, let me throw work. in one more little piece. Yeah. Uh, and that is the, uh, the fact that after I got out of massage school, I, I, uh, at, at pretty much your recommendation, you kind of pushed me a little bit, but I got in the, uh, the athletic training, uh, graduate school program at Georgia state, which was, that was another big boost for me was yeah. to get a master's in athletic training. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it just opened all the doors. I had a uh, an engineering understanding of structure, mm-hmm. uh, which I see in every single person I work with. And uh, and then I had this this. Uh, knowledge base of information about what actually happened in the training rooms in college and professional sports and, and about all the evaluation and rehabilitation of sports injury. Mm-hmm. And I kind of coupled that all together. But when I was in grad school, I saw all these holes in mainstream rehab model and uh, that revolved around a lack of attention to soft tissue, the 
soft tissue work, soft tissue manipulation uh, with uh, massage type uh, modality. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was at that point that everything, you know, just started coalescing in my head. I was just, I, I was, I was gone. I, I was just completely absorbed in that world. Mm -hmm. And that led me to uh, really wanting to work with pro athletes. And the, the thing about pro athletes, uh, pro sports, college or pro sports is, uh, you really have to understand the hierarchy. You have to understand that in pro sports and most colleges, the, the athletic trainers and occasionally PTs, they run the show. Mm -hmm. And so you, you have to play as a team player with them. Uh, you know, I know I've talked to people that just walk in, oh yeah, you know, and they think that uh, their massage, their ability, their massage expertise is, is all that they need. But what they need to do is they really need to let these people know that they're not going to overstep their bounds, uh, whatever that is. It could be just not talking to the athletes about the injuries that you see, the the shortcomings that you see, but discuss it with the trainers before you you actually discuss it with uh, the athlete themselves. That when you're working for a pro sports team, that's that's the way you have to play it. Yeah, and you know I've got. Uh, the other thing I would say about pro sports is you it's very, very hard to get in uh, from the outside. You mm -hmm. got to come in from the inside. Somebody's got to bring you in and introduce you to the coaches and tell the coaches they want you on staff. That's how it it's most effective uh, in getting in. So, I remember I, when I got out of school, I sent resumes to all the Atlanta teams and uh, it got me nowhere. And mm -hmm. and come to find out once I had been involved that most of the most of the training rooms, when they get a letter with a resume in it, they throw it right in the garbage. Yeah. Now, there may I would be imagine a, they get inundated with people oh, wanting I, to be a part of the, the organization, you know. So that the trainers yeah. say they they get hundreds of them. Yeah. Um, so, actually, my first connection to pro sports uh, was in 1994, and it I had tried all that stuff with resumes and all mm -hmm. that. You know, I uh, the the experience that I had in '96 with the Olympics helped. Uh, uh, we were the uh, actually the first supervisors of uh, actually on staff on the the medical staff for an Olympic Games in '96 mm -hmm. in Atlanta. Uh, massage had never been a, an active part; uh, it had always been done kind of outside the boundaries, and that was 
that was a, a, a very, very interesting time. I'd never do it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was, the clinic was open for 18 hours and either Don or myself had to be in the clinic. Uh, one of us had to be there. So it was either a nine hour shift or once a week we did 18 hour shifts. Wow. Uh huh. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a great experience and, yeah. and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in 94, uh, one of I got a call from one of the Atlanta Falcons players, and uh, he had gotten my name from uh, a guy in Buffalo who I went to massage school with, and he'd been working with some of the Buffalo Bills, and uh, this this Falcons player was talking to one of the Buffalo Bills players, saying, "Man, I'm hurt and I can't find anything in Atlanta." And the Bills players said, I got a great guy up here. Oh, wait a minute. He went to school in Atlanta. Let me see if he knows anybody. So that was my first connection. I helped this guy. And then uh, he started introducing me to more of the Falcons players. And then when Dan Reeves came to Atlanta, he... Uh, and Dan Reeves was the coach thing. of the Falcons. For, yeah, with the, for, came to Atlanta didn't know, yeah. uh, to be the head coach of the Falcons. And that's mm -hmm. the one thing he changed was he added a massage piece to the uh, to the sports medicine staff. Mm -hmm. And so these players took me down, introduced me to the coaches and told the coaches they wanted me on staff. I'd just gotten out of grad school. Mm -hmm. So I really knew this was 1997. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew how to talk the talk and let them know that uh uh what we would do and how we would be team players and how we would we would seamlessly intermingle with uh with their team of trainers and strength coaches and that's what they wanted to hear yeah and so that happened in 19 in 97 and we were on staff with the Falcons for 19 years. We had that contract. Anytime there's a coaching change or there's a sports medicine staff change, uh, your job is in peril, but we made it through quite a few coaching changes. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then in the next year, 1998, uh, the assistant trainer for the, Chicago Bulls through their six championships, Wally Blaze, he he came to Atlanta as the the Atlanta Hawks new head trainer. Mm -hmm. And he called the Falcons and said, Who do you guys use? Mm -hmm. And they said, Well, we got we got some people we're really happy with. And uh you can use them if as long as you don't step on our toes. Yeah. So the next thing we knew is in 98, we were uh uh, we were, uh, on staff with not just the Falcons, but with the Hawks. And we had that contract for 19 years also. Yeah. Now, and hadn't you been working with the Braves at this time as well? That was, that was the next year. Oh, next year. So okay. in 98, um, I, I worked with the Braves chaplain's son mm -hmm. and helped him 
And so he introduced me to one of their three Hall of Fame pitchers. And that guy introduced me to one of the other ones. And the three, those three guys went to the GM and said, we want, we want Brian on staff. So in 99, I was on staff with the Braves. Yeah. And so in in 99, we had the Falcons, the Hawks and the Braves. That would just just amazing. Yeah. So for those people who may not be familiar, so this is the Falcons professional football team, the Hawks basketball team and the Atlanta Braves professional baseball team. So you obviously had your hands very full with all season. I, I did, but boy, that. I was living my dream. Yeah. <laughs> right. So how do you know, a lot of people um, want to get into this piece and, you know, it looks kind of, certainly looks glamorous from the outside. And what one of the things that you've mentioned and, and another, you know, several other people that I've talked to that have worked in professional athletics have said this very same thing about it's really important about the relationships that you have with these people. So um, are there any ways that you can sort of develop those kinds of relationships or how do you meet the people who are going to be the movers and shakers that might be able to let you get in there? Any clues or suggestions about that for people? What I would say, probably one of the most important things that you can do is you have to be able to speak their language. And which means you have to, you have to understand injuries at a pretty high level and and i one suggestion i would have there is um i i call it a five-year project project Mm -hmm. take one uh one condition a month and just do an internet search on that one condition and read every article you can get your hands on do do as much research on that one condition as you can. And then at the end of a month, make a make a presentation to your, your spouse, a friend, just somebody else. Because I, I really believe if you can teach it to somebody, just 15 minutes. Yeah. If you can teach it, you really do understand it. Mm-hmm. But if you took one condition a month, by the end of one year, you'd be an you will be an expert in 12 conditions. Mm-hmm. And if you continued that on for five years, you'll be an expert in 60 conditions. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you, if, if you are an expert in 60 conditions, you know, as much as any orthopedist, you could sit down with any orthopedist in, in the world and probably have an intelligent conversation with them about all the the main injuries you're going to see in sports medicine. Mm-hmm. So and and 5 years may seem like a long time, but it goes by really quickly. And if you can sit down and I did this, I especially with the the Hawks trainers, uh I would every time I would leave, I would stick my head in their office and and you know, they'd tell me to come on in, let's sit down. And we'd talk philosophy and, and we'd talk, you know, about various injuries that they were, they were seeing and they'd want my take on it. Mm-hmm. That's how you establish it, but you've got to be able to speak their language. So I think the number one most important thing is, you know, start with, 
taking your orthopedic assessment stuff. I mean, that was the foundational classes for me. And when I got to grad school, here I am, I'm, I'm in the class with, you know, uh, a couple of MDs, a bunch of PTs and a bunch of athletic trainers. And then here's me engineering massage therapist, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, I was, uh, I was the bottom man on the totem pole, but they, they couldn't get me out of there. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh -huh. I, I was a vacuum. Uh -huh. So, right. uh, that's, that's the place I would start is I would start with your orthopedic assessment stuff and, and create a foundation and then break down each one of those conditions and just start with the ones in your book mm -hmm. and just break those conditions down and until you feel like you're an expert in it. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about in terms of applications of the things that you do in treatment. How does your work or does your work differ, for example, when you're treating a, a very high performance level athlete versus somebody else who may have had a similar injury condition, you know, whatever that is, you know, ankle sprain or, you know, muscle strain in the hamstrings or whatever. How does your treatment differ in, in working with a, a high level performance athlete? Well, I would say that uh, it wouldn't be a lot different uh, than somebody else that came into my office that was hurt. I treat everybody the same way. Mm -hmm. I that um, I'd be a more performance related with with a, a, an athlete, mm -hmm. but I think you need with the athletes to explain yourself uh, in a in a really really concise manner. I mean, it got to a point where athletes would tell when they would refer somebody to me, they, they would tell the person that they referred, don't tell him what's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Go in there and ask him what's wrong with you. And it, it got to be a game with some of these guys because I would evaluate them and I'd say, okay, you know, you've got, uh, you've got some problems with your left knee. Uh, you're slow turning to your right uh, you have problems pushing off your left big toe and, you know, just I'm, I'm making this stuff up, but mm -hmm. that's, I would go through a litany of, of, uh, of things that I saw that could be improved from a performance standpoint and then talk to, oh, and you're having some, some tightness in your left hamstring mm -hmm. without touching them. Mm -hmm. I could just, just from an evaluation standpoint, I could see these things and, that was a lot of fun for me, but it was also a little creepy when it first got going because, yeah. you know, if I didn't guess it right, mm -hmm. I didn't know whether these guys were coming back. Mm -hmm. But yeah. um, it it comes down to uh, just letting them know what you believe you can do to improve either their discomfort, uh, but especially their performance. Yeah. And being able to tell them, oh, you're a little slow moving this way or that way, or an offensive lineman, oh, you, you're, you're 
unbelievably strong, but you get bull rushed to death, don't you? How'd you know? You know, there's just certain tells that over the years I have been able to to let these people know that, uh, and it's just working with a lot of people. I've worked with, I could probably fill my uh, my office with four by six pictures of athletes mm-hmm. uh, and fill every square inch. I don't mm-hmm. believe in that though. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I learned that from, from Benny, I think. And, and he would say, never ask for autographs, uh, never ask for tickets and, you know, don't ask for jerseys. Yeah. And, and I've, I've pretty much lived by that. Yeah. I have some jerseys, but they're jerseys that, guys have given me without mm-hmm. me asking for anything yeah never asked for tickets never i would imagine for- that's one of the reasons why you've kept on for so long is because people have recognized that you're you're not chasing the stardom um with with what so many other people are doing there but you're really genuinely concerned and caring about what they're doing uh with with their performance levels it's it's you know i'm gonna be 70 this year believe it or not mm-hmm. and I still love my job. I get yeah. up every day and I love going to work and, you know, I love the, the challenge, mm-hmm. not just, not just with the pro guys, you yeah. know, in the clinic, you know, I'm helping people. Um, most of the people that come to see me, you know, uh, I, they just jump on the table. Mm-hmm. They, they'll come in if they've got a suit on, they take their belt off, empty their pockets, and take their their suit coat off, and they jump on the table. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't use draping uh, because they never take enough clothes off to ever get draped. Mm-hmm. You know, the athletes will usually come in 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 gym shorts, uh, you know, and and they don't even take their shirts off. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I buy about a gallon of massage cream and it lasts me about, I don't know, five, six, seven years. So, so you have, obviously have a kind of a different way of working. You're doing different types of work through clothing. Well, t- tell me a little bit about what that's, what that's like and how that's different for you. I, I think it's a lot more comfortable for people. Um, you know, a a woman that's a little little bit heavier than she wants to be is a little embarrassed sometimes to to even come in in gym shorts mm-hmm. and uh they're very comfortable just jumping on the table it's it's uh you can do almost the same stuff you can't do gliding stripping strokes uh unless you pull up their pants up to mm-hmm. their knee and you want to work on one of their, their lower legs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can do just as effective hamstring and quad and hip work as you, you can do, uh, without actually touching the skin. Yeah. So, and obviously I've, I've been doing it like that since, uh, probably 94. Mm-hmm. I finally decided, you know, I'm, this is what I want to do. I want to do specific injury work. I don't want to do 
full body relaxing massage. I don't want to do full body massage at all. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, there's 2000 massage therapists in Atlanta probably. And they all, but a few of us do very specific work like that specific injury work. So if you, if you move towards that kind of work, you're going to create separation between yourself and other therapists. Mm -hmm. And by creating separation, you, you create a new genre for what you're doing in a roundabout way. You're not creating a new genre, but you're, you're becoming, um, an expert in whatever little piece of whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and people are looking for that. Yeah. Right. Tell me a little bit. I think you told me when, when we were having a conversation recently, you said, um, I think cumulatively you've had something like 47 professional sports seasons or something like that, working yeah. with a wide variety of teams, which yeah, includes like 48. Yeah. We had, we had Super uh, Bowls and world series and things like that. Oh Yeah. yeah. Tell me if you've had any, like, are there any kind of standout situations or or things with particular client athletes that really were great learning experiences out of all those kinds of things for you? Oh, I I think one of the the premier ones was one of the ones that um, we had talked a number of weeks ago about uh, microkern. And um, uh, the woman that kind of pioneered the whole technology and, and a lot of the the software, Carolyn McMakin, uh, in 1995, 94 or 95, I can't remember, but um, one of the athletes that I'd been working with for years uh, broke his fibula and had a, a high ankle sprain and uh, that was so bad that they had to surgically repair it. They put a plate and screws in and in his ankle and uh, – when you have a high ankle sprain, the, uh, you, you can tear the anterior tib fib ligament and even the posterior to some degree. And every time you push off, you dorsiflex the foot, which causes that ligament to re tear. That's why high ankle sprains are such a bad injury. Yeah. You'd almost so, be better off breaking your leg than, yeah. Just uh, briefly, let me interrupt for a second for people who may not be familiar what Brian's referring to. The high ankle sprain is a sprain of the distal tibiofibular ligaments and the syndesmosis at the distal end of that connection down there. So it's not their usual length, uh, ligaments in the ankle. They get injured there, but those those ones at the distal end of the tibia and fibula. So go ahead. So, But every time that you, you dorsiflex the foot, when you push off uh, in the gate, you you re-tear it to some degree and mm-hmm. that's why they have to put they put you in a boot and they totally immobilize you and uh this guy that's why they had to put the plate and screws in to completely immobilize his his leg but mm-hmm. we we use microcurrent to heal the um uh the fibular fracture and then also to to heal some of the tissues and the the learning experience was Carolyn was sitting right next to me and she's running the microcurrent. And I was, uh, I had my hands on this guy's ankle and all of a sudden the tissue would just melt. 
And I would say, oh, stop there, stop there. And then I'd work for a while and and then nothing would change. So I'd say, okay, you can play around. So she'd fool around with frequencies again. And all of a sudden, the the quality of the tissue would change again. And and I would tell her to stop. And so mm-hmm. we played this game and it was really fun for both of us. Mm-hmm. Well, this athlete, it was uh he hurt himself two weeks before the end of the season. And they ended up, uh, the team ended up being the NFC champions. So they were going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And so it the Super Bowl was six weeks away from uh that that point where where he had hurt himself. And I I I just lived at his house for quite about four days a week pretty much mm-hmm. for those six weeks and he ended up playing in the super bowl and he would have been the mvp if uh if they had won mm-hmm. so that yeah. was an amazing uh uh it, it that kind of put me maybe a little bit on the map because i had athletes coming out of the woodworks from everywhere wanting to know who who did that yeah. So, and, 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 and it was a lot of fun. It really opened my eyes to microcurrent, uh, it opened my eyes to the possibilities that are available out there with, uh, all kinds of additional technologies that mm-hmm. I don't even know anything about right now. Yeah. How, how would you say that, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, there's the, really a tremendous amount of pressure that many of these athletes and other professionals are under in these kind of working environments. So um, do you see yourself like as part of what you're doing, just kind of also managing some kinds of, you know, some challenging psychological situations with them when they get injured? Because for example, you know, somebody gets injured and that could be the end of their career. You know, it could be a, a, absolutely devastating event for them where they're going to get replaced on the team or something like that. So obviously there's a lot of pressures for these individuals with managing those injuries other than just like, Hey, I just messed up my ankle. I got to stay off of it for a while. I I would say, unless you're a superstar, uh, it's next man up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all the coaches, they all tell this story called the Wally Pip story. Wally Pip got hit in the head, missed a game. Lou Gehrig took over and set the iron man in baseball and, Wally Pip never got his job back. So coaches will tell that story to motivate players because, uh, and players have to play through injuries, especially in football. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to play hurt. And uh, unless you're an incredible athlete, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the best, the best of the best, those guys take time off. Um, because they don't want any bad tape out there on themselves. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different world. You have to work with, uh, you, you know what it's like. You're, you're kind of a, a counselor because mm-hmm. you got them for an hour or two hours. Uh, the, the guy that I've been traveling with for years now, uh, I go in on Monday and on Friday and I work on him for four hours on Monday and four hours on Friday for the entire course of the season. Wow. And, 
And he doesn't just, it's not just me. He flies a chiropractor in Monday and Friday. He, he has a performance guy that does pools, uh, pool workouts and stretches him, uh, recovery wise, just from the, uh, the practice sessions, he gets IV cocktails on Monday and Friday. And, uh, he does flies in various other people. He spends hundreds of thousands of dollars every year taking care of himself. But at the end of the season, uh, his almost the end of every season in those 12 years, he says, I feel better now than I did going into the season mm-hmm. because he's getting all this work. But yeah. I, I work on him for eight hours a week, mm-hmm. you know, in, in two separate sessions. Would you say if you could sort of encapsulate it down to, you know, maybe just a few things, what are the most impactful or significant things that come from the soft tissue manipulation work that you do for, for them? As like, you know, is it is it mostly pain management? Is it, you know, tissue elasticity enhancement? What do you think are the biggest, most significant things that you're doing with soft tissue work? I would say structural alignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I see the structure. That's my engineering background. You know, I mean, when a building settles in one corner, uh, all the loads shift. Mm -hmm. So, and, and certain portions of the building and certain columns and beams get overloaded. Same thing happens in the body. If there's rotations in the hips, there's rotation in the knees, uh, your your ankles are, uh, for lack of a better term, I just call them. They're kind of unstable from where from a. Uh, they're just kind of unstable. So, what I do is I I try to balance everything so that their body is when when I'm done with them, their body is balanced. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. I don't see any imbalances. Uh, you know, they may have a little bit of tightness here, a little bit of tightness there. Uh, when somebody strains a hamstring, the last thing I'm concerned with is the hamstring. It's, it's all about taking the stress off of the hamstring by realigning the hips and the knees and, and, and getting everything else, uh, as in as perfect a shape as I can. So I can take the slack off of that hamstring. Then I'll go, I'll go deal with the hamstring. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I think that that's, that's a problem in sports medicine is that everybody wants to race to the problem. Oh, my low back hurts. The last thing I'm concerned with is your low back. I'm going to, I'm going to take all the stressors off of the low back. And then when I'm done with that and I feel satisfied that, that they are addressed, then what I'll do is I'll go back and, and work on the low back Mm -hmm. instead of, Oh, Oh, your low back hurts. Okay. Lay face down. Let's work on your low back or Mm -hmm. your hamstring hurts. So let me, let me get in here. Oh, my Achilles is too tight. Okay. Get it, you know, lay, lay face down. Let's, let's get after that calf. Yeah. You, there's a reason why that, why that Achilles is too tight or that low back is too tight mm-hmm. or, and, and 
and or why you have uh, a herniated disc. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I there's some adverse compression on that disc. And so what I want to do is I want to relieve that if, if at all possible, in some cases it can't be done, but to the best of my ability, I try to take those stressors away before I even think about getting to the symptom. Yeah. You know, as a, as an individual who's always uh, fascinated and obsessed with how we can improve education. The things that you're talking about here seem so pertinent and relevant in a lot of different situations. But, you know, I recognize because, you know, you and I have talked about this numerous times over the years that it's really difficult to get that kind of vision. You have, you know, for example, uh, a great opportunity in the, the background that you had of having an engineering background to be able to kind of understand a lot of those kinds of uh, forces and, and compression and tension and, and patterns and those kinds of more structural issues that you mentioned. We don't really have many training tracks in the sort of soft tissue manual therapy world to delve into that kind of stuff in greater detail. So just wondering, like, do you have any ideas how people go about learning more of that kind of stuff? Um, you know, where can they kind of get a better understanding of some of those kinds of concepts? I'd go back. I would still, I'd go back to that, that little five-year plan I had. Mm-hmm. You won't just learn the injuries, but you're going to learn if you, if you do it correctly, you're going to learn how they're going to, how the orthopedist is going to treat it. You're going to learn how, if you read the, read these research papers about say a non-contact ACL sprain, mm-hmm. then you'll, you'll learn how they're going to treat it in rehab, uh, they're going to, they're going to walk you through everything that a physical therapist or an athletic trainer would look at in rehab. Mm -hmm. And knowing that then you can kind of walk your way through how, you know, how they would treat it. Now, what are they missing? Why? And it may sound complicated to go about it that way, and that opens the door for another um, another issue that that really bothers me with our profession, and that's and I have addressed at least in the Atlanta area, I've addressed it, but and we've talked about it too. I'm always looking for Kant Ed that pushes me intellectually, mm-hmm. and we don't get credit for anything that any of the physical therapy, athletic training, uh, medical continuing education things, uh, credits. And, and I really wish that if it's good enough for a physical therapist and they let us into their program, it should be good enough for a massage therapist. And I know that, that they're thinking, well, you know, we don't want you adjusting people. No, absolutely not. You got to stay within the scope of our practice, but, push people to a different level Mm -hmm. Uh, and and i i don't know what it what the answer is there but i i really wish that uh, they would open the door to some of those those cont ed i i would i would be in cont ed all the time Mm -hmm. uh you know it taking different uh different pieces but 
I, um, I have a hard time getting pushed mm-hmm. with the information uh, that our profession actually allows us to take and yeah. gives us credit for it. So what I have to do is I have to just go take it. Yeah. And, and not get credit for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you are one of the, uh, a great model for people of, of the power of that inspirational motivation for learning. Um, and, you know, again, we've talked about this numerous times of how impactful and important it is to be able to be motivated, to find your best and your own learning experiences, wherever they may come up, regardless of, you know, whether or not you may or may not get credit for, for doing some of these kinds of things, but that's what really pushes you to the other end of the envelope. I mean, uh, you know, you know, when, when you and I were hanging out together back in the early nineties, this was, you know, in the pre-internet days, I was going over and hanging out at the Emory university medical library just to read stuff because that's where it was, you know, and that's the um, only place you can find it. it, Right. And and those experiences were so valuable in, in constructing a, a perspective of, of, you know, the sky's the limit of what you can really learn if you just, you know, want to open yourself to go into learning those kinds of things. Uh, you couldn't have said that any better. And I think that's where we get lost. I I talked to uh, a massage therapist not too long ago. One of the athletes sent me somebody and paid for her actually to come and see me. And and she was uh, on staff with a, with a pro team, but she was intimidated um because by the athletic trainers because she didn't know anything about sports injury Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of sad i think you know that that we don't have the ability to uh and i (laughs) said first thing i suggested is go take whitney's class Mm -hmm. you know do you know learn orthopedic assessment because if you can do that you know you're at least going to have a foundation and then do what i suggested really dig into to injury conditions the the to go back to that just yeah. one quick little minute is you're going to be tempted if you do it you're going to be tempted to jump off before a month because you're going to get bored don't mm-hmm. do it yeah be an expert Hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the quick thing I wanted to ask because this is a question that comes up um, a lot, you know, and, and especially in some of the more standardized kinds of sports massage training programs that we see around. I'm just curious to hear your take on it. Are are what are the kind of like big differences, or are there significant differences in terms of the way you would encourage people to work in a sort of pre-event getting ready to help somebody right before an activity versus, you know, later on post-event and the sort of recovery from, from activity levels. That's the traditional sports massage mentality, I think is pre and post-event. I see none of that. Yeah. Uh, From my perspective, the athletes don't want same day work. Uh, Well, let me, let me rephrase that. In baseball, you play 162 games in about 183 days. You get three days off a month. Yeah, you don't have time to 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 let it go. I remember just one quick story. This guy came in at five o'clock for a 7:30 game and said, "If you if you can't get my my hip loose, I can't play." Mm-hmm. And so 
and I said, we would really have to get after this hip. And he goes, I don't care what you do. I want to play. So get after it. Mm -hmm. Well, he ended up playing, uh, even though I finished with him two hours before the game started. And the next day he came back in to get more work. And I said, well, you played. He goes, yeah, but I was thinking about you the whole game. You know, so that became my my mantra from then on out was I don't want you thinking about me during the game because <laughs> you're sore. You that's know? Right. Yeah. And, and so um, but in baseball, that's one sport where you you get you get pregame and mm-hmm. they don't they don't get they don't get work after the game, mm-hmm. but they it's their only way. They play 28 games a month. People don't realize that about baseball is you play 28 yeah. games a month for six months. Yeah. And uh, in football, I I go two, two days before the game, one day after. Mm-hmm. So the, the post stuff is usually 24 hours after the game. And that's not, you know, it's still get after it any problems they they, if they want flushing type work um they can get that from the the therapists at the team which is kind of sad yeah that's that that they're not doing any structural work there but um uh that's that's kind of where that goes but interestingly enough uh the guys that I work on the day after the game don't have any problems. Mm-hmm. They're they're maybe they might have a bruise or they might something minor, but they actually feel pretty good and their muscle tissue feels incredibly good mm-hmm. the day after the game. Now, Wednesday and Thursday practices in the NFL are long, hard practices. And so they're beat up on Friday. Yeah, and you think it would be the other way around, but it's not. Friday, uh, two days before the game, uh, is where those are the challenging uh, sessions. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know whether that answered your question. It does. I mean, I know that's been kind of like the the sort of standardized discussion in a lot of the training about sports massage, and I have always felt that it was sort of. Um, using a little bit of an older model that didn't seem as applicable under a lot of those kinds of circumstances. I was just curious to hear your take on that. If, um, so. From a structural standpoint, if, if they've got anything going on, I can do that. And it's, it's relatively non-invasive and it's not going to make them sore. Yeah. So I could do that the morning of a game if I had to, mm-hmm. but uh, I know other other therapists that uh, have worked on people and do lots of flowing work, you know, very, very flushing, flowing, uh, light stripping. Yeah. And players have said that it makes them, their legs dead mm-hmm. for a couple of days. Yeah. For a couple of days. And they they don't like that. So, you know, um, you, you have to, every athlete's going to be a little different, you know? And so you've got to really, uh, look at and, and get to know whoever you're working with. Now, if it's the first time you've ever worked with them, you don't have that opportunity. You just got to do 
whatever you do best yeah and get it done mm-hmm. um they're just normal people mm-hmm. and they just want the best that you can do for them and that's the best you can do Mm -hmm. now you doesn't mean that in a couple of years you can't completely change your game by just working your butt off and really really studying if you want to be in the pro sports world you're not going to be you're not going to make a long career out of it by just doing flushing type deep tissue type stuff i don't mm-hmm. think yeah you've got to you've got to have something you got to you got to get a little bit outside the box the guys that i know that have been doing it for a long time uh they're all different mm-hmm. you know you know i work very structurally i've got another friend who who's been around pro sports for long long time probably longer than me and he's you know he does everything from a brain and nervous system standpoint he he gets the body realigned by uh by using the brain and nervous system in a in a re- i don't I don't understand what he does, but he's yeah. he's had a very successful career and people yeah. love him. Mm-hmm. And then I've got another friend who he looks at everything from a chemical standpoint. You know, mm-hmm. he he does his work, but he he works it together with getting the athletes to people that that put together um the right uh intravenous uh cocktails that mm-hmm. their body needs they the doctors will will run all the tests and they'll get everything set up and this guy he's just he's like a chemist yeah so you know he approaches everything from a different standpoint he's unbelievably successful on mm-hmm. the west coast you know and um so there's so many different ways to get to the final end game that helps athletes but you you just got to figure out what yours is you know yeah yeah where your unique gifts and contributions are for sure yeah and then really pile it on and learn yeah right yeah well you know that's kind of a one a good place for us to wrap up here and one of the things i want to encourage everybody to really take away from this is just you know seeing how far you can take this if you're motivated to want to really push the envelope and learn a whole lot more and 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 take yourself to those places there's a lot of a lot of places that you can go with it and and you've certainly been a great inspiration model i think for for lots of folks to be able to do that kind of thing thank you i appreciate that yeah so brian if people want to find out more about you or possibly get in touch with you how could they uh, connect with you like um a website for the clinic or or contact yeah they can uh our the business is uh, Body Mechanics, and we're in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, body Mechanics Sports Massage Therapy, and yeah. uh, you know they can they can get to it through that. And if if you know if it's something that they really need to talk to me about, uh, they can run it through uh, our off my office manager, mm-hmm. and uh, she'll leave me a note. Yeah. You know, okay. I can't return everybody's call. Yeah. But uh, you know, I can I can uh uh 
I can get back to some of them. Just leave a short, a short uh, uh, introduction, and just let me know what what you need answers with. Yeah, maybe I can, and leave me an email address. Maybe I can get back to you via email. I could probably send you my email, and you could post that. Yeah, okay, we can put it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. 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 So if you're okay with that, we can certainly do that. So yeah. Yeah. Just be patient. I run yeah. a pretty crazy schedule. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's like uh, a lot of the pro guys, they get all these letters from, from people. And, and I say, are you going to answer those? And they say, yes, mm-hmm. I may be retired, but I will answer them. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so well, if you're if you're talking about not having any plans for retirement anytime soon, then it may be a while for <clears throat> for all this. I still love what up. I do, and as yeah. long as I'm having fun, I'm I'm going to keep working. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us here again today, um, Brian. This was just great to to catch up with you and and connect again. And and again, you are just a I think a wonderful inspiration for so many practitioners that might be looking for you know what are how do you push the envelope and how do you really push the limits of what you can do with massage. And this is just a, a great um, example that you've, that you've given to the to profession for doing some great things. So yeah, um, if, if I had to say one thing, I would say, learn how to speak their language. If you yeah. want to work with athletes, you have to be able to speak their language. You have to know a little bit about, uh, about them. And if you want to be able to deal with the sports medicine world, you definitely have to be able to speak their language. So however you get that done, uh, the and the better you get it done, the more successful you will be. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you again. And we're going to um, close out here today just for uh, keeping in mind Books of Discovery has been a part of massage therapy education for over 20 years. And thousands of schools around the world teach with their textbooks, e-textbooks, and digital resources. Books of Discovery likes to say learning adventures start here, and they see that same spirit here on the Thinking Practitioner podcast and are proud to support our work, knowing we share the mission to bring the massage and bodywork community enlivening content that advances our profession. You can check out their collection of e-textbooks and digital learning resources for pathology, kinesiology, anatomy, and physiology at booksofdiscovery.com, where Thinking Practitioner listeners can save 15% by entering Thinking at checkout. So thank you all to uh, all of you listeners who've hung out with us today. And also thank you to our sponsors. You can stop by our sites for the video, show notes, transcripts, and any extras. You can find that over on my site at academyofclinicalmassage.com and over on Till's site at advanced-trainings.com. If you have questions or comments, things you'd like to hear us talk about, just uh, send us a short voice memo or send us an email. You can contact us through info at thethinkingpractitioner.com or look for us on social media uh, under my name, Whitney Lowe, and also Till Luca over on social as well. If you don't mind too, we'd love to have you rate us on Apple Podcasts as it does help other people find the show and you can hear us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, or wherever else you happen to listen. Please do share the word and tell a friend. Brian, great hanging out with you again here today. Thanks so much for joining us uh, on our conversation. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Great. Bye.